morning we're reading in Galatians about how we have been set free in Christ. Extraordinary truth that we as believers understand that when Christ died on the cross, He set us free. We'll be reading in Galatians chapter 4, we're looking at verses 8 through 9 this morning. Our front door is open. Uh, you're welcome to park out here in the parking lot again. You can come in through the brand new front doors, and we're glad to finally get that done. And our preschool and children's area is open. We're excited for that. Uh, so if you have kiddos, uh, that's where they'll be meeting. We're still working on our uh, youth area. We've got a couple of little things to finish up there, but we're glad to be getting toward the end of all of this and, and having this all done. Thank you so much for your generous giving to Envision. We're almost to $600,000. We're just just below it right now. I think we'll cross that this week uh, as we continue to give through uh, March of 2020. I, I think we're going to make our goal. We're right on track to do that, and we're excited for what God is doing through you. But we're thrilled to finally be in everything and enjoying that. If you don't know where your class is, we've kind of reshuffled everything a little bit to get everybody to where their permanent spot's going to be. Our new Welcome Center is also open. We have some good folks who, that have actually been manning that for a couple of weeks now. It's right here in the Welcome area. The big desk, can't miss it. If you don't know where your class read off to, <laughs> we'll show you. Don't worry, we have little maps and everything uh, to show you where all the classes are. So you can go right after the service right down here to the Welcome Center. Grab a cup of coffee, and they'll let you know uh, where your class is meeting. I have learned the hard way that the phrase... City Park is sometimes loosely defined. In my mind, a park is a nice green space. You know, maybe it has a walking path, a duck pond, a swing set, maybe a jungle gym. You know, a nice place to bring the family on a Saturday afternoon. Sometimes, though, that's not exactly what city parks might B. Uh, there are some parks in some cities I wouldn't take my family anywhere close to them. It may say City Park on the map, but you better not go there. Uh, maybe the park's in a little bit of disrepair. Maybe it's in a lot of disrepair. Uh, maybe there's some activities going on there that you wouldn't want your family to be around. Uh, when you've made the mistake of going there once... <laughs> and discovered this is not where I really want to be, you're not going to go back again. And yet that was exactly what the Galatian believers were doing. And Paul warns them of the serious consequences of turning back to something from which God had delivered them. Uh, read with me, if you will, this morning in Galatians chapter 4. Again, we'll be starting in verse 8. Formerly. When you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather, are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Paul asks a very pointed question. Not only to the Galatian believers, but to us today. Why would you want to go back there again? First of all, we need to understand where we've been. Whenever 
you go on a trip, it's always a good idea to, to know where you're going, even if you're one of those, hey, let's just get in the car and drive and see where we end up. You still have some idea of, of where you're going to go, and, and obviously you also know how you're going to get back home. And that means as you travel, you need to know where you've been. That, that's very important in life as well. The Galatian believers needed to clearly understand what it was they had left behind when they followed Christ. And Paul paints it in very vivid terminology here in verse 8. He says, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who were by nature not gods. We've seen how Paul has used this imagery from slavery in several passages here in his letter to the Galatians. That's because most of the Galatian believers came from a Gentile background. And that means they would have been involved in the hodgepodge of religions that was the Roman world of the New Testament day. Paul describes how before they came to know Christ, they were enslaved. Now that was literally true for a lot of them. There were, there were a number of them that actually were, and some of them still continued to be enslaved in the legal slavery system of the Roman day. And so that's one of the reasons he uses this imagery so often is because so many of them would have been familiar with it. But Paul goes farther than that. It wasn't just that some of them were legally slaves. There were some of them who, in a legal sense, were free, but they were still enslaved. And Paul describes what it was they were enslaved to. They were enslaved to those who were not gods. Now, no doubt, most of the legal slaves in the Roman world, if they were given this chance, if they were given the choice, they would have rather been free. Now, there were some instances in the Roman world where a person was given an opportunity to become free and chose to remain enslaved, but that only happened when they knew their master well, when they understood that they wanted to be in that life, in that household, and they chose, therefore, to be there, to be enslaved to a master that they understood was a good master. No one, no one, if given the choice, would want to be enslaved to a master who was a liar and a cheat. But Paul points out that's exactly what the Galatian believers were doing. They had been enslaved to sin. We, we've seen that in, in the past few passages that we've looked at over the last few weeks here in Paul's letter to the Galatians. Here he, he gets more specific about what he's talking about. He says, you were enslaved by following gods who in fact are not gods at all. In fact, they're just lies. Jesus has revealed them for exactly the lie that they are. Before they knew the one true God, Paul tells them, they worshipped carvings, things made out of wood and stone. They had carried sacrifices to temples that were filled with statues, but had absolutely no power. In Christ, now they saw that for what it really was, a complete waste of time. 
That's the crazy thing about sin. It ruins our life. It robs us of joy. And when everything is said and done, we don't get any of the peace and satisfaction that we were looking for. If anything, we're farther away from what we wanted than when we started. All that work, all that energy expended was just a complete waste of time. Most people don't like to waste time. Even if you have an afternoon where you don't really have anything that you absolutely have to get done, you wouldn't want to waste a good opportunity for a nap. (laughs) Those don't come by too often. We don't want to waste the time that we planned to waste. (laughs) So when something wastes our time, we typically get really frustrated about that. Nobody enjoys listening to hold music on the phone while you're trying to get somebody to help you with a repair that you need to make. Nobody enjoys standing in line at the teller at the bank, waiting and waiting and waiting for your turn to come. Nobody enjoys having to go up every aisle of the grocery store twice because you can't find the ground pepper. Even if the other things that we need to be doing aren't all that earth-shattering, we still don't want to waste our time sitting in the DMV waiting for our number to be called. Paul says that the Galatian believers were wasting their time. Now, we'll see why in just a moment, but they needed to understand where they had been. What an empty waste of time it had been worshiping those false gods and idols. It's why sometimes we return to the same sins over and over and over again. We forget what a mess it was the last time. We forget how empty it was, how meaningless it was, how it didn't help us at all. We think somehow this time it's going to be different, but it never is. Sin never works. If we can just remember that, we can avoid the mistake that the Galatians were making. In the end, our sin's really no different than theirs. We're going to see that their sin was idolatry, but the truth is all sin is idolatry. All sin is making the mistake of thinking that our way is better than God's way. That wasn't true the last time. It's not going to be true this time either. We need an open-eyed, clear view of where we were without Christ. And to recognize we don't ever want to go there again. And once we've done that, once we've gained an understanding of where we were, we need to understand where we are and where we're going to be. Paul didn't want the Galatians just to get stuck in the past. He wasn't trying to just heap a bunch of guilt on them. That was not the point at all. They needed to understand that Jesus had delivered them from all of that. They needed to understand where they were in Christ right now. We need to know the same thing. We need to understand as believers where we are in Christ right now today. Paul describes it in verse 9. He says, but now that you know God, 
or rather are known by God. How is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? The formerly that he talks about in verse 8 is now contrasted with the but now that he talks about in verse 9. The, the, the formerly, before, before they knew Christ, Paul says they were enslaved to false idols, to gods that really didn't exist at all. They were worshiping a lie, but then Jesus set them free from all of that. Now, they knew the one true God, the real God. The creator of heaven and earth. And then not only that, Paul actually corrects himself. He says, you know God. And he says, wait a minute, wait a minute, better than that. You not only know God, you are known by God. It's one thing to know about somebody who's powerful. I I, I know who the Queen of England is. But other than being able to give an answer on a trivia quiz, that actually does absolutely nothing for me. (laughs) Doesn't make a bit of difference in my life. But if I was known by the Queen of England, that's a whole different thing. I could go spend the night in Buckingham Palace. I could take a ride around London in one of those fancy carriages and wave at everybody. Knowing that there is a God, that's obviously important. It's essential. We have to understand that God does exist. But that's not all we have in Jesus. Oh, no. It's way better than that. In fact, it is infinitely better than that. We don't just know that God exists. We are known By God. He knows our name. And we are going to spend eternity with Him. And He is with us right now. If we could just get a glimpse of what that means. The trivial temptations of this world would look exactly what they are. They would look ridiculous. They would look minuscule in comparison. If we could understand not only that we know Jesus, but that we are known by Him, we would see how foolish the temptations of this world really are. We'd stop making decisions based on what we think we ought to have. And we begin to start living by the knowledge that we are known by God. Paul points out to the Galatians and the Bible points out to us that anything less than Jesus is a bad deal. Galatians were turning back to some principles that were far less than what they already had in Christ. 
We shouldn't make the same mistake. Don't let the world fool you. You are known by God. Been sharing with you, we're, we're, we're in the midst of a, a different emphasis. It's actually part of the same emphasis that we've been doing, the what's your one. We've changed that to who's your one for this month and next month. Now, next Sunday, I'm going to have some things for you. I've been talking about this this whole month to kind of get you ready, but we're actually going to kick it off next Sunday. We have some prayer guides for you to begin actually praying for that one person in your life that God lays on your heart that, that's, that is that one person that you could share Christ with. And we're going to give you some easy ways to do that. We're going to give you some ways to pray for them. Uh, we're going to have a little uh, Bible marker for you to write their name on so you can have it with you, a little booklet, a prayer guide to help you pray about that. We'll, we'll have all that for you next week, so come back next Sunday. <laughs> Because we're going to kick it all off next Sunday. But, but just for this Sunday, we've talked about some, some ways that you can begin to start conversations with that person. Some ways that you can begin to introduce them uh, to Christ. But here's, a, here's another one. A lot of folks believe, you know, if I invited my friend to church, they wouldn't come. They, they, there's no way they would come. They, they have no interest in church. They have no interest in godly things. If I invited them, they'd never show up. But... You might be surprised. We have, we have a lot of different classes that we do here at church. We have a lot of different seminars. We have different, different things that we do. Some of them are ongoing classes. Some of them are just kind of one-time things. We just started a new uh, women's class with a Mary Martha's group about Psalm 23. We've been looking at cults on uh, Wednesday nights. We have all of our wonderful Bible study classes we have going on here. And, and some folks think, you know, if I invited my friend to one of those, they, they would never in a million years come. Well. You might be surprised. When asked, 34% of all unchurched believers said, yeah, I'd go to a class at a church, especially if it was something practical, something that, that, that was interesting, something I wanted to know more about. And this is even more interesting. We think so often that, that, that younger adults are getting farther and farther away from, from God. And in some instances that's true. In some ways that, that's a reality. But there's 34% of all non-Christians, 44% of 18 to 24-year-old non-Christians said, yeah, if there was something at a class at a church on a topic that I had some interest in, yeah, I'd go. You bet I'd go. Somebody just invite me, I'd show up. So... As you watch in your, your vision and in the newsletter, different things that are going on here at church, think about your friends. Think about your neighbors and say, you know, would, that, would they maybe be interested in this? Would this maybe be something that we've done? We've done a lot of different things. We've had a quilting group. We've had photography groups. We've, we've had all kinds of different interests for this very reason, that you may have a friend that's interested in that. And if you just invited them, they might come. So be thinking this week, thinking about who's your one. Again, next Sunday we're going to kick that off. I'm going to give you some ways that you can begin praying for them daily for 30 days. We're going to invite you for 30 days to just pray every day for that one person. Just pray for them. Lift them to the Lord for 30 days. I can't help but believe that if we as believers go before the Lord and plead with God, God, my friend doesn't know you. They aren't known by you. 
they desperately need a relationship with you. And God, I'm begging you, give me an opportunity to share my faith with them. Give me a way to effectively reach them for you. I just can't help but believe that God would turn his back and say, no, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Nah, no. I don't think that's what God would do. I think if you daily lift your friend to the Lord, God's going to answer those prayers in some ways that we can't even begin to imagine. So come back next week. We'll have a prayer guide for you, some other ways that you can begin uh, to do that. And be thinking about this week who your one might be because they need what we just read about this morning. They need to know that there's a God. But even more significantly, they need to be known by God. And they can be. Through the power of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, help us this morning. First of all, as believers, help us realize where we've been. Open our eyes to to exactly what the mess was that that sin is. (laughs) That it never helped us before. It's not going to help us now. Lord, that will help us to navigate our way through a world of temptation when we see what a mess those temptations really are. But God, help us also realize where we are in Jesus. We are known by you. God, help us to see that clearly this morning. Maybe there's someone here that needs that in their own life, that that needs a personal relationship with Jesus. We pray that you'd speak to them right now. Lord, we all know people who desperately need exactly that. So help us over these next days to think of someone that we could be praying about, someone that we could be lifting to you daily, someone that we could be used by your Holy Spirit to introduce them to the glorious grace that we know in Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.